Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Since starting to incorporate Magic Spoon cereal into my daily morning routine, I have noticed fewer cravings throughout the day. Zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Only 140 calories a serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, available flavors to build. Your custom-owned bundle are cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, cookies and cream, maple waffle, blueberry, cinnamon, plus the newly reformulated super-tasty honey nut flavor. Get your delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash onion and use the code onion to save $5. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Harmonize with me and hold me tight all through the night. You're shining bright. I'm your oyster, baby. You're my pearl. Hello! We're here. Well, I'm here. My good friend, Dominic. This is confusing, Billy, because I'm here as far as I know, but for some reason you're there. Now, where's there? Well, where I am, I'm here and you're there. No, I thought I was here, but go on. This is confusing. But this is uh, a problem not for us. That's for the quantum physicists. We'll get one of them back on soon. I mean, are we even anywhere? But uh, I'll tell you where I'm, Dom. Yeah. I'm in Canada, of all places. Aha, land of the Mountie. It's it's very cold outside, but it's very hot in this room. Oh, I, I had I had the the air conditioning on there. Yeah, but the people, uh, the the good people of Cass, told me it was too loud, so I had to switch it off. So I may have to remove my clothes at some point. Perfect. I think there's a lot of people out there that will love that, and I would say just embrace it, just enjoy it. You got a fantastic body, like a Greek god. So go for it. Uh, well, let me ask you. Let me ask you this, Billy, because you and I spend a huge yeah. amount of time in hotel rooms and a huge amount of time traveling. Talk to me. Talk me through when you check into a hotel, whether that be for pleasure or business. You put your key card in. You put your bag down in the hotel room. Tell me what happens for the next 10, 15 minutes. What do you do? I find the toilet. <laughs> Good. The bathroom. Yeah. And I have a, I, I have a look to see if it's got a bath. Mm-hmm, you're a bath because man. I love a bath, Dom. Mm-hmm. And I and I know some people who who would never take a bath in a hotel because mm-hmm. they feel like other people have been in that bath mm-hmm. and all that doesn't bother me. Right, I love it. Okay. In fact, if I'm totally honest, Dom, Please. I had a bath today. Lovely. Right before I, I came on to say hello. <laughs> And it's a nice one. It's deep. Oh, deep, yeah, deep bath. Yeah, you've sent me some lovely videos from deep baths over the years, and I've enjoyed them. Um, oh yeah. Do you? Do, you can share them at some point. Yeah, let's do it. Do you? Do you sluice the bath? The bath down though before you get in for the first time. Do you give it a cursory kind of soaping down of the surfaces? Do you know what? I I just trust that that's been done. Oh god. I just I just fill it up. Oh god. I fill it up with water that's just overly too hot. <laughs> Yeah. To the point, you know, where you can you can just get in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, when you 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 
you lower your arse and you think, oh no, it's too much, my arse will never take this. But then it just does. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you got to lull yourself to into To the point it. sometimes I'll add a little bit of cold, just enough, and I'll, I'll bring it up to my legs, up to my thighs, <laughs> just enough to get me so I can sink in. Brilliant. Really? Oh, and it's too hot, Dom. It's too hot, and I'm sweating. Oh, oh I love it. With me. nice music playing. Yeah, you like that glass of wine, light some candles. I remember, I remember that being almost half your existence in New Zealand. I would call you, and you'd say, "I'm in the bath. I'll call you back in half an hour." Um, I can't remember. I can't remember the last time I had a bath. I think maybe the last time I had a bath was was in my thirties. Certainly not in my forties. Um, yeah, uh, to each his own. <laughs> to each his own. Well, you know, maybe. One day. So uh, that's the first thing I do. Yeah. And then I test out the bed. Yeah. And yeah. then I find out where I'm going to put my suitcase, you know, where, because it's just going to sit there. I'm not going to unpack it, if I'm honest with myself. Right, Dom. okay. The suitcase is going to sit in some corner until I leave that hotel room. And then I have a look in all all the, any doors or drawers for like, you know, there might be a little secret fridge with like, right. you know little snacks and drinks in it. Right, a pathway to Narnia, possibly. You never know. Right at the back of the, the wardrobe, yeah. Yeah. I liked it when I get into a hotel room, because I'm not a bath man, so it's not my thing. I like to grab the remote control, grab the kind of guide, as it were, right. to the hotel room, see what channels we've got, and then scroll through to the channel that I think is going to be the most interesting for a while. And once I put that on... I go directly to the room service menu and I try and work out, okay, so what's going to be the next two or three nights meals if I have to do it? If I'm not going to go out for dinner somewhere, if it's too late, if I'm working, what would I have? And I go, oh, all right, I'll have the tortellini tonight and then I'll have the prawns tomorrow night and then, oh, I'll have the uh, tomato and basil soup. Perfect. That's my first 45 minutes to an hour in my hotel room. Well, you're a planner, Dom. You're a planner. I know, I know. You always have been. Yeah, that's true. You like to organise. You like to know what's going on. <laughs> and I like that. Yeah, that's true. I don't even know what the, the room... I don't even know if there is room service in this. I wouldn't even know where you would find it. Right. Now, do you do this thing? I'm sure you do it as a, as a smart, intelligent man. But here's my little top tip. Not for you, because I'm sure you do it. But just right. for people in general when they're staying in a hotel room. When you leave your hotel room for the first time when you've checked in, turn around and take a photo of the number of your hotel room because I can't tell you how many times you'll go down all, you know, carefree, whatever, and then you'll come back from dinner late at night oh, yeah. and you'll think, I've no idea what room I'm in. I could be in room 712. I could be in room 217. And then you check your phone and it gives you a little bit of info. So there's my top tip if you're checking into a hotel. That is a good tip, actually. Mm. I'm going to use that because I've done that before, Tom. Yeah. I've um I've not got the best memory for things like that. You know, like sometimes you can forget where you're parked. You go to a car park and you forget and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. One time I went I went to a supermarket and I parked my car and I went in and I got all my shopping, got all the stuff that I needed, went outside, got a taxi, went home, and then the next morning I got up and I was like, Where's my car? And it took me about three or four hours to remember I'd went to the supermarket the other day and left the car in the car park. Oh my God. But do you often take a taxi to the supermarket? Was that a common practice? No. To and from. Well, why did, no. Wait, Billy, that is, that is, if you don't mind me saying, 
crazy. So normally you would drive to do your shopping. For some reason on this particular day, you came yeah. out and went... Taters. Get a taxi. I'd forgotten I had a car. Oh, come on. That's crazy speak. Peeling the onion. I can't understand how you would go through that practice, but hey, that's what makes the world go around. Well, listen, Billy, you're there. I'm here. We have to do a little bit of housekeeping yeah. very quickly because we've got a fantastic guest today. Um, shall I read this first? Oh, you're excited about know, our man. guest. I know you're yeah. excited about our guest because it really is my kind of wheelhouse. And, you know, you, you're interested in those type of things too. But hey, I'm going to start with a yeah. letter that we've got here. Well, actually, a message on, on our YouTube channel, the Friendship Onion, uh, from Thanks. Lost Lollipop in regards to imposter syndrome, who said, regarding imposter syndrome, it's not just about feeling you don't deserve your accolades, but also convincing yourself you're a fraud. I'm a grown woman, just a few years younger than Dom, and often have moments where I'm in a business meeting where I know for a fact I'm the most knowledgeable person in the room in my specific field and still have the feeling that at any moment someone might jump up and go, aha, you're not a real grown-up, you're just pretending. Okay, so a little bit more information there about what imposter syndrome is. I think most people get a little twinge of that sometimes. I mean... You know, I, th I feel like we're, we're all still children, you know, inside these adult bodies. And there's moments when you think, oh, you know, am I really, um, you know, is my job? Do people believe that I do that kind of thing? Right, right, yeah. I feel like that. Anyway, you see, you've never had a twinge of that, have you? Well, I don't think I have. But uh, when you explain it like that, have I been in situations where I've thought, they're going to, or, or, or when uh, Lost Lollipop here has, has said, they're going to say, ah, you're not a real grown-up, you're pretending. I wonder if I've had that where maybe I'm on stage giving a, giving a talk about something or, you know, when you go to colleges or universities talking about acting, you think someone's going to go, you know, well, what do you know? What makes you some, an expert in this field type thing? So, yeah, so maybe yeah. a little bit. Yeah, so you, even you. Dom, what about this? We've got uh, some misheard lyrics. I know we always like that when oh, people think a song is saying something else. Mm, mm. So uh, Joey Henderson uh, from YouTube, he says, um, my brother sings Tina Turner's What's Love Got to Do With It as What's Love Got to Do With It, Got to Do With It, What's Love But a Second Hand with Lotion. Should we try it? What's love got, got to, to do, do? Got to do, do with, with it? What's, What's love but a second hand with, with lotion? Oh, it works quite well, actually. It uh, works. It works an absolute treat, Tom. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thanks, so Joey. Well done, Joey Henderson and your brother. Thank you. So if you've got any misheard lyrics, please send them in. We love those. Kevin C. from Ireland. Says, hello, Dom and Billy. Firstly, I'd like to thank you both for this amazing show. It's the only podcast I listen to week in, week out, religiously. Oh. Tying both of your love of music and the Lord of the Rings together, my question for you both is, you are both in Middle-earth and setting up a band. Which Lord of the Rings characters do you want to make up your band, assuming that they could play an instrument? And uh, what role would they have in the band? And what would your band be called? Wow, that is a lot. That's a lot to think through. I mean, in, should well, we do this? Forming a band, isn't it? 
Should we do this together, Bill? Should we create one band, yeah, the yeah. two of us? Well, can I just put it out there immediately because yeah. this was a knee-jerk reaction? I'm going to say Sauron on drums. Does that sound about right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's a good, that's like a, that's like a Bonham drummer, isn't it? That's yeah. a Zeppelin drummer, that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. A lot of power. Yeah, a lot of power. All right, so that's a good start. Um, could we put you on piano? I, I, I always like to see you sitting at a piano, you... You sort yeah. of lose yourself in a piano, I find. Yeah, though. I'm a little penis. Um, let's do it. I've always enjoyed you tickling the ivories. <laughs> of course you have. I think for thing, I think for the PR guys, they would like, you know, like if Galadriel was a singer, I think they'd love mm. that for the posters mm. and the album covers mm. and that, you know. Mm. I like quite that. enigmatic yeah. and uh, quite interesting. Yeah, I like that. What about That's guitar? Guitar, is it, could we go with Gimli on bass? Oh, Gimli on bass for sure. Yeah, I yeah. like that. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, and, and then, then lead. We're looking for someone, you know, charismatic, but maybe a bit mysterious. Is that is that a kind of Faramir or an Eamir type vibe? Yeah. Yeah, Faramir maybe. Right, do you know who I would put, Dom? You know who oh. I'd put? Yeah. An only guitar. Frodo. Okay, I think, he, I think he'd be a shoe. I think he'd be a shoegazer. I think he'd just be there trying to get it right, and yeah, you know, yeah. you just enjoy watching him with, like, with those big eyes. His hair's yeah. nice, and yeah, Frodo on lead okay. guitar. I think I like that. Can we add an extra? He doesn't really do any. I, I think that's a great band. Can we add an extra? He doesn't really do anything. He's a little bit like Bez from the Happy Mondays. Kind of comes in with maracas or a, tan, uh, a tambourine. Can we have Gollum do that? Oh yeah, that'd be good. Just a, be just great. a character for the band. Yeah, because him and Frodo would probably interact quite well. And then what about a, what about a name for the band? We're not in the band, by the way, but that's okay. What about a name? That's all right. We'll be the roadies. We'll have a great thing. Yeah, wicked. Yeah. Um. um well, we'll be the thing, me. We, we, the Wooded Road. Oh, that's fantastic, Billy. Love that. Great work. That's all right, that, isn't it? <laughs> Thank you, Kevin C. There you go. There's the band. I've got something amazing to tell you about, Olipop. It is a new soda and I'm here to tell you it is amazing. And not only is it not bad for you, it's actually good for you. Yes, good for you. And it tastes amazing. They've got all sorts of flavours, like they've got um, vintage cola, classic root beer, orange squeeze, cherry vanilla, strawberry vanilla. They're, they're amazing. I couldn't even pick my favourite. Every one I tried, I like better than the one before. They use functional ingredients that combine prebiotics, plant fiber, and botanicals, which actually means they're good for you, good for digestive health, and they've got virtually no sugar. Uh, compared to like a normal Coca-Cola, which has got like 39 grams of sugar, their vintage cola has got like two grams. I mean, it's amazing and it tastes incredible. You can receive 20% off plus free shipping on your order. I recommend trying the variety pack. Like I say, all the flavours are amazing. Go to drinkolipop.com slash onion or use the code onion at checkout to claim this deal. That's D-R-I-N-K-O-L-I-P-O-P dot com slash onion. Olipop 
can also be found in over 8,000 stores across the country, including Kroger, Target, Whole Foods, Sprouts, and Wegmans. Olipop, it is really magic. Need to supercharge your hiring? Well, you need a super hiring partner. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, you can interview, and you can hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites, searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed is a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed's Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. Like with Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to uh, Indeed Data US. So start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash onion. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash onion. Indeed.com slash onion. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so our very exciting guest this week, Billy, because you know how much of a self-professed animal and specifically insect nerd I am, is Richard Zek, who is an entomologist. There's an amazing amount of uh, uh, stuff here, information about Richard. So I say graduate, faculty, professor, associate entomologist, and extension specialist, director of the M.T. James Entomology Entomological Collection. Wow, Richard, it's very nice to have you on the show. Great. Well, thank you for inviting me today. I was been looking forward to it. Oh, that's great. Oh, good, good. Um, now, Richard, we do have a, a, a bunch of information about you, which we can read. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But we always prefer to hear from the guests themselves. It makes it a little bit more personal. And we'd love to know about how you became so interested in insects to the extent that you now teach classes about them in university. Great. So when I was a youngster, I, I went to university. I started at Ohio State University and I was had always been interested in biology. I had snakes and salamanders and lizards and all kinds of things. And uh, But I knew nothing about insects. So when I went to the university, I met a professor and he talked about, you know, well, if you ever want to get a job, one good field is entomology. 
because insects do a lot of bad things that people don't like. So there are always people that want to figure out how to control insects. So I took a course. I thought it was the greatest course I'd ever taken in my life. I took more courses. Uh, eventually, I graduated. And I said, well, what can I do with this degree in entomology now? And, uh, and there were things. But, uh, but in order to do what I really wanted to do was to study, do research, and, and really teach about insects, I, I went to graduate school. I took more courses that I thoroughly enjoyed and kept going, and eventually I received a PhD in entomology and have spent the past 35 years or so uh, working on insects, teaching about insects, have graduate students, undergraduate students, and it has been just a fantastic life. There is, there's no group out there that is more exciting and interesting than insects. Hey, hey, I totally agree. I, I, I'm absolutely <laughs> sure that Don would agree with you there. Yeah. His, uh, his his favorite animals, and um, he 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 could he could talk to you yeah. all day. He talks to me all day about <laughs> insects, so I'm sure you two together would be. Uh, yeah. They do everything. I mean, there's a, there's an insect does everything. Right. I think for me, Richard, it's the fact that I mean, I'm obsessed with animals. But the great thing about insects for anyone out there is. If you are interested in animals, they're right there. They're always there. They're, they're less than a minute or so away from you having an interaction with them, whether that be with a magnifying glass or putting them on your hand or, you know, seeing them out in, in nature. And as a kid growing up, same as you, I kept lizards, I kept snakes, I kept different animals but I, I, with my brother. But I always wanted to be consistently having interactions with different animals and going into my mom and dad's garden and picking up rocks. It was, it was like Christmas morning. I just felt every time I would roll over a rock, I'd be like, Oh, what is it today? And it was so exciting. There's so much to learn. And, um, I think unfortunately they do get a bad rap insects alongside, uh, arachnids. And I'm always attempting to educate people on the idea that, uh, you know, they don't, they don't, even though they can be destructive and they can feel like they're moving into our world quite a lot, they don't know that they're doing that. They don't know that they're annoying you. They don't have a concept of that. They're just finding a place that's warm. They're finding a place that has food, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. Like, like any type of animal, they're, they're just trying to survive. They're just trying to make a living. They're just trying to do what they naturally do. And, uh, and most of the time, it's actually us that's intruding into their world more than they're intruding into our world for the most part. Right. And, you know, and I think for the most part, we, we, we can figure out how to live with insects, arachnids, all, all different types of arthropods. I agree with you there. It's, it's amazing because all you have to do is open the back door, go out, look through the vegetation, pick up some rocks, look under some bark, and there are going to be insects out there. And once you learn a little bit about them, you're going to learn that they're doing fantastic things, that they're talking to each other. They're communicating. They're finding food in ways that, you know, you never thought about. They're, uh, they're models for all kinds of television shows, like the, like the Borg from Star Trek and stuff. I mean, any, anything that you want to look at, you can find an insect and and study it in that group of insects yeah <laughs> billy's interested now you said the word star trek billy's like oh hang on a second <laughs> wait a minute star trek not only star trek but my favorite alien race in star trek the borg yeah i love the borg yeah. 
So uh, do you mean do you mean that sort of hive mentality? That is that it's is that like is there an insect that that works that way? That if 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 one knows something, somehow it gets transferred to all of them? Yeah, so exactly. So if you look at what what we call a lot of social insects, uh like maybe like honeybees would be a great example. Ants are a great example. Within that colony, there's there's usually one that's in control. And we tend to call that one the queen. Uh she kind of controls it. But what she's doing is she's sending out messages, and most of those messages are chemical messages that all the other ants, all the other bees are picking up, and and then they work in concert with each other to accomplish certain types of goals. So kind of like the Borg, I'm not sure if the Borg had an individual that controlled things. I think they were more, you know, they they worked. They no, they worked. did. They did. There's the queen. <laughs> did they? I don't. I don't know, but but yes, that's exactly that's exactly how it works in a lot of those insects. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Here, here's a this might be a silly question. This might be a silly one, but I'm, I'm allowed the silly ones because Don can okay. ask you the real ones. But I I read somewhere that talking about bees that um, bees can take too much pollen or whatever it is they're doing, and they can get drunk. And there's guys on the hive who are like the bouncers, and they don't let them into the hive if they're drunk. Is there any truth in that? Because I thought that was a brilliant story. If it is, so I'm I'm not sure if that story is a hundred percent accurate. But so they ah. can they get drunk? Yes. So you know now we gotta we gotta figure that you know we're talking about insects where. We're using your human terminology and stuff. But yeah, if you think yeah. about it, a lot of those insects, they're going out and they're looking for sugary substance and stuff. And so, I mean, if, if they're coming and they're drinking wine, uh, and which they will do, yeah. you know, take some wine, put it on the on the table yeah. in the summer and the bees will come in and, and drink it and stuff. Will they get drunk? Yes, they will get uh, you know, drunk, I'm not sure is the right word. Now, when they go back to the hive, I don't know if there are anybody, you know, checking at the door to make sure that they're not inebriated or something. But yes, that certainly happens. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, Rich, but I'm going to keep believing that because okay. it's just my favorite story. Okay, I, it's a good one. I kept, bee, <laughs> I kept bees for a couple of years on my property and my beekeeper um, friend, Bruce, was telling me that there are what in terms of what Billy was referring to there, what what he called bouncer bees, and the bouncer bees make sure that the entrance way and the exit way is not crowded with bees. You know that there's there's an easy path in, an easy path out. I wonder if what Billy's alluding to there is maybe there's an overly excited bee that's had way too much nectar, or as you said, they've been drinking beer or drinking wine, and the bouncer bee kind of says go have a fly for 35 minutes and come back when you're feeling a little more well-behaved, you know? Um, let me ask you this, Rich, because this is one of the things that I, I'm, I'm always trying to um, come up with the right information or the right answer for people when they, there's, there's a disconnect I always find in the natural world. And especially if we, if we kind of zoom into insect life where humans are under this strange, um, assumption that if an animal is directly beneficial to them, then it's good, quote unquote. And if an animal doesn't seem to do anything that they notice for them, 
then it's bad. A good example of that might be that people say, oh, well, bees are good. They make honey. We eat honey, you know, protect the bee. But wasps are bad. Wasps sting and they don't do anything. And I always try and point out, well, you know, wasps are pollinators too. And they also eat animals that eat a lot of fruits and vegetables and stuff. When you find this situation with people, you know, getting educated about insects, how do, how do you try and attack that? the answer to that question of like, this is a good animal, this is a bad animal, which doesn't really exist, does it? No, it, it doesn't exist. So good and bad are concepts that we're putting onto those animals. They are good for us for some reason. So you're right, honeybees pollinate plants, that's really good. Uh, you know, half of the food that we eat, we need bees to pollinate those plants. Uh, butterflies are good because they're beautiful and we like to look at them. Uh, you know, but but other insects are bad because they bite us, they sting us, they, they right. transmit some disease to us. But that, that's, a, that's a human concept. The insects are only doing what, what they've evolved to do. Right. And so like every animal, every, like every living being, they're, they're fitting into a, to basically what we call their niche. This, this is what their existence is all about. And to them, it, it's it's not good or bad. It has nothing to do with that. It's their ability to to exist, to do what they need to do to survive, just like all animals and plants do for that purpose, and uh, and then to move on to leave another generation. Yeah. So in your in your studies of insects, Rich, you know, in getting a degree and then getting a PhD and then teaching people over the years, what what specific ex insects became your expertise? What, what's your kind of niche market in the insect world? So, so I actually, my specialty area is a small group, is a group of very small flies that are kind of semi-aquatic. So the flies themselves live around water. They, most of them lay their eggs in or near the water and they're immatures, their larvae feed on algae in the water, uh, bacteria, different types of things like that. But the reason I got into this group was because they live in very, very different types of habitats. So uh, these fly larvae, actually, I don't know if either of you have ever visited the Great Salt Lake. Okay. Yeah. The Great Salt Lake is very alkaline, very, very saline. Nothing can live in there because it's so saline except the immatures of one of these flies. Mm. Uh, hot springs. Mm. Nothing can live in those hot springs because they are so hot except one of these flies. Mm. There's actually wow. one of these species that lives in pools of crude petroleum. Wow. And so I just thought, what, what, you know, how interesting biologically this group is. Yeah. And so that was the one that became my, my primary group. Uh, I, I tend to work on insects that live in or, in or near water. And then what for the last couple of years, what I've been doing is looking at insects that live in unusual types of habitats. So those would be unusual types of habitats. But insects that live in places and do things that give us information on maybe why we need to protect that habitat. Insects are really good indicators of, of changes that are going on in the environment. We can study insects and we, we can basically predict changes that would be very difficult to do. So that's, that's one of the areas that I look at now are changes in insects, uh, insect species, insect populations and stuff over time to predict on whether a habitat is there are changes going on there that we need to look at or 
is this a habitat that contains a lot of different insects that we don't find anyplace else? We need to preserve that habitat because it is very, it's very different for us. And so, you know, and that might be a, a national park is created or some type of preserve or something. So insects really provide mm-hmm. us with a tremendous amount of information. Oh, Rich, I just want to be sat next to you on a long-haul flight and bend your ear for like 11 hours. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yep, yep. It's fascinating yeah. to hear that. We'd have a lot of questions for each other. Yeah. Guys, I just finished in the gym. And like anyone else, trying to keep healthy. I'm trying to cut down on my sugars, trying to cut down on my carbs. And I'm always looking to get a little bit of protein into my diet after the gym, which usually is a protein shake. Maybe I'll have a protein shake today, but I'm also going to have a lovely, tasty bowl of my favorite cereal, Magic Spoon. Let me give you a little bit of a stat rundown here. Zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Only 140 calories a serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and you can also build your own box. Available flavors to build your custom-owned bundle are cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, cookies and cream, maple waffle, blueberry, cinnamon, plus the newly reformulated super-tasty honey nut flavor will now be added to Magic Spoon's permanent collection simply because it tastes so good. And this is a brilliant thing to eat if you want to have a little midnight snack. So go to magicspoon.com to grab a custom bundle of cereal and be sure to use the promo code ONION at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's back with 100% guaranteed happiness. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your delicious box of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash onion and use the code ONION to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. And I, I see that you, you teach two specific courses here at your, at your university. One's called um, Insects and People, A Perspective, and the other one is Insect and Human Health. So could you just briefly uh-huh. give us an overview of both of those things? Because they, they seem really interesting as well. So uh, at the university, all students have to take a certain number of biology courses or you know science courses, uh, literature, and that. So I teach courses that are designed for students that that are afraid of biology. They're afraid of science. And what I try to do is I use insects to teach about scientific principles because most most students know about insects. They most students don't like insects. And so what I try to do is work with them throughout the semester to so that at the end of the semester they may still not like insects but they appreciate them. They appreciate science now. They appreciate how the world actually works. And then in my second course, which is basically a medical entomology course, what I do is in there, I talk a lot about how, how insects, through the vectoring of diseases, have really influenced human history uh, basically since the start of, of humans. You know, we think about things or, or maybe we don't think about things. And this is what I try to get across to the students, like like the plague. OK, the bubonic plague, this great disease that has occurred throughout history that's destroyed, you know, 25 percent of the human population at the time. Well, how has that affected? Yes, a lot of people died. We understand that. But but how does that affect basically the evolution of humans? How, how did it change cultural and 
you know, the cultural aspects of humans and stuff. Mm. How, you know, how did these diseases affect us in the United States, in Europe, in Africa? Mm. Why, why is Africa a place where, where there's not been a lot of development? Okay. And one of the reasons is, I would argue one of the main reasons is because there are so many insect vector diseases there, such as malaria, that if you're spending most of your time just trying to survive, you don't have a lot of time to, you know, to do some of the things that we can do in in what we sometimes call the more developed nations. Mm. So I, I try to get that across to the students. Mm. I mean, I, I guess you could put a strong argument forward to say that the mosquito is probably the most influential animal ever to affect human evolution. I mean, the amount of people that the mosquito has killed yep. over the years more than all yeah. the wars yeah. combined, all the tragedies combined. It's an incredibly influential animal. And, and even today, uh, you know, the most dangerous animal on earth is the mosquito yeah. because of the diseases that, because of the diseases that it, it still vectors today. Yes. Right. No question. I mean, I love, yeah. I love insects. Yeah. I love all animals. I, you know, I, I, I respect and admire the tenacity of the mosquito. It is one of the only animals that I will kill on site if I'm in a hotel room and I'm trying to sleep. And I, I'll hold my hand up to that. I am an animal lover, but there's a, there's a couple of animals that if I see it, yeah. unfortunately it, it, it's dying. One of them is a mosquito. If I'm in a room without a mosquito net, if I've got a mosquito net, I'm okay with it. The other one, unfortunately is the fungus net, which if you get a fungus net in your house and, oh. it, and it starts to affect your house plants, it will kill all of your houseplants over the course of about yeah. six months. And it's a horrible death for the houseplants. It, it, it eats the, the roots and, and rots the roots, basically. If I the see roots. a fungus gnat yeah. in my house, yep. unfortunately, it's getting smashed. Sorry. So why does, why, why does the mosquito in particular carry all that disease? Why no other, you know, flying insects or... So there, there are other insects that, that vector diseases, uh, fleas, fleas vector diseases, fleas are the vector uh -huh. of, of plague. But what, uh -huh. what mosquitoes do is, you, so you, you have mosquitoes out there, uh, male and female mosquitoes. Only female mosquitoes actually take blood because they yeah. need blood to produce offspring. And, and mm -hmm. what they do, so, so the vectoring of diseases is incidental to their blood feeding habitat. They, they go to an animal host, let's say it's a human. When they feed on that human, what the, what the female mosquito will do is, as, and everybody knows this, she sticks her mouth parts into the body. She actually has a way of finding a little vein or artery. And what mm -hmm. she does is she will suck out a couple drops of blood. What most people don't realize is that when she places her mouth parts into the body, it's not like one needle. I, I with, with people, I call them straws. It's not like one straw going in and she's just sucking out milkshake blood. Mm -hmm. What she's doing is she's putting two straws in, two needles in. The first thing that she does is she injects saliva into the wound. The saliva keeps the blood from coagulating. And the second straw, part of the mouth part, literally just sucks the blood up. So wow. the way that they move germs, let's just call them germs, viruses, et cetera, from person to person, is if she sucks my blood and I have some of that disease in me, the, the germ that causes that disease, 
when she flies to when she flies to Dom or she flies to you, the first thing that she does is take some of her saliva that may contain uh, some of my blood right. that may contain some of the disease, and she puts it into you now. You get the disease. And and all of that is just incidental mm. to her need to take blood meals. Yeah, it's not something that the mosquito wow. is yeah. doing on purpose. It's a, it's a parasite almost that lives in the mosquito. So it, the the biologies are are tremendously complicated. Yeah, they're very. I mean, they're they're obviously a hated animal, the mosquito. From from you know from the very base <laughs> level of it bit me and it itches, all the way up to like you said, Rich, some of these awful diseases that yeah. unfortunately kill. People, I've had dengue. I had dengue in uh, in yeah. Peru, and it was a it was one of the worst things that I've that I've ever had. It's certainly, like the worst kind of sickness virus I think I've ever had. I mean, I was hallucinating. I was so uh, ill with it. Um, so that was so that was a mosquito that that gave you dengue. Right, yep. right. It was just one of the yeah. few ones that unfortunately I wasn't able to uh, to smack before I went to sleep at night. Um, but there we go. I mean. <laughs> I, I, I organize a lot of my holidays around animals, you know, um, I, when, I, when I go to places on my own on a trip, it's usually geared around trying to find a specific animal and then all the other things that might be living in the same place as that animal. Very often it's okay. an, an invertebrate or, um, or certainly an insect because I'm obsessed. I also just, I, I've always been such a fan of um of knowledge and of understanding the the kind of highly sophisticated uh, natural world, and in in doing that, what what I really love about gaining that knowledge is you become almost like a like a detective, like an animal detective. Because you know, if I'm in a country where, let's say, there's a beetle I've never seen before and an ant that I've never seen before, and they seem to be in some way interacting in a way that I, I can't make sense of. I, Because of my base level understanding of how ants work and my base level understanding of how beetles might work, I can then start to deduce, ah, I think the ant might be doing this. And if that's the case, then I should be able to walk around this corner and see another ant doing the same thing. And I'm just... It's one of my favorite things is making an assumption in the animal world based on a base level of knowledge and then following through with that hypothesis and having it be improved by the behavior of the animal. I, I love that. I love that happening. Yeah. And, and I mean, basically, you, you just described science. Right, right. That, that's what science <laughs> is all about. Right. Yep. If I could, uh, yeah. I've, I've been, I've been, uh, I was, I left college before I, I uh, got my qualifications because I, I started acting when I was eighteen. Um, my plan was to go to drama college after that, but it, it, I, I never did it because I started working. But my my father was a teacher. My brother is still a teacher. I come from a family of of teachers and educators, and I'd always wanted to get a, a degree in. Uh, entomology and some sort of open university thing i think even though even though ants are probably my all-time favorite insect and after that probably mantids and and beetles i think if i were to get a degree in entomology the animal that i would study now would be the housefly because they're ubiquitous and housefly? yeah and and yep. their their interaction with humans is is so intimate you know they live in our houses they eat our food they sleep where we sleep type thing and also the life cycle is so fast i find the 
the common housefly, uh, Musca domestica, just absolutely fascinating. So I have a que- I have a question for you guys. Where where in the Lord of the Rings are insects? Is an insect actually used for a very definite purpose? Uh, would that be Gandalf and the moth? Gandalf and the moth. Okay. Yeah. Is that the correct answer? Yes, that was the correct answer. Is that what you had, Billy? No, I was thinking <laughs> okay. about your your speciality there, Rich. The um, the midwater marshes. Ah, there's I was another going one. To say. Okay. Yeah, and there could be, but and and it's interesting because I don't know who came up with that for the movie, yeah. but culturally. Uh, especially in Native American populations and throughout a lot of uh, human culture, moths were used as messengers from the gods to come down and actually talk and deliver messages to people. Mm. And and really? that's what happened there. And so, again, I'm not sure who wrote that in, but uh, but they must have had some little entomological background to them. Yeah. Wow. I'm sure it's in the book. I'm uh, sure Tolkien yeah. has it in the book, right, uh, Yeah, yeah, it's in the book I, I don't know sure. if Tolkien has it in the book or not. I, th- I think yeah. it is. I think it is because I remember yeah. it being quite a, a vivid memory for me, unless I'm blurring it with the movie, but I, I mm. seem to recall it, it being in there. While we're on the subject of moths, Rich, because this is one of the common questions that I get asked, and it would be a great thing for you as, as a true expert to answer this. Can you just explain to people who are confused as to why moths seem to be obsessed with light bulbs? Just explain what is actually going on for the moth there. Yeah, so that's a really good question that I wish I had a really good answer to. Uh, Realistically, there are probably several answers. One of them is that when when a moth finds itself in some place that it needs to escape from, what it does is it looks for some type of light source. So if it's buried down in something, if there's a if there's a light source and it flies towards that, that is going to get it out of this situation that it's in. Mm-hmm. And so what what we have here is kind of an artifact. You put your porch light on at night. You know, insects are not perceiving that as a porch light or anything, it triggers in them a behavior, a flight behavior that they just fly towards that light. Do they do moths? Don't moths also navigate by the light of the moon? Isn't that a way that they move around the planet? So are they, are they, you know, there, there's, there's probably some of that. There's probably some of that, but not, it would not be a primary way that they would do it. What what makes an insect an an insect? Uh, what makes an insect? Yeah, an insect. Okay. <laughs> so so an insect, an insect is an animal that right. has an an exoskeleton, so an outside skeleton. An the an insect is what we call a segmented animal, and Don probably knows all. So it yep. consists of actually segments. But in insects, those segments are combined into units, uh, what we call a head, a thorax, and an abdomen. So three functional units that we only find in insects. And then there are other little characteristics too. But basically, a, a segmented animal with an exoskeleton that is divided into three body segments. Right. Yeah. Six legs as well, right? Six legs. Yeah. And six legs. Yep. Six legs. 
Yeah. And so if you think about something like a spider, well, a spider is not an insect. It's in, it's in this group we call the arthropods. So indeed, a spider has an exoskeleton, but it's divided into two body segments and has eight legs. And then, you know, I know Dom has some interesting other critters at, at home, I think, that, uh, that are variously, they're arthropods, but they're variously divided into segments and legs and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I have a variety okay. of different isopods or, or as one, one of the animals out there that has a variety of different names around the world. I think in, in Britain, they're called woodlouse. In certain parts of the world, they're called ro- roly-polies or pill bugs. They're, you know, they, they're kind pill of bugs. Yeah, pill bugs. The, I think some, some people call them potato bugs, which is obviously a misnomer because it's obviously a different yep. type of potato bug. Um, yeah. But uh, scientifically yeah. known as an, as an isopod, right? Now, they aren't insects isopod. because they have more than six legs and they don't have a head, thorax, and abdomen. And aren't they also slightly more associated with uh, water kind of shrimp life than insects? Yeah, so... So so crustaceans are an arthropod, okay, but the ones that you just talked about are what we call terrestrial crustaceans. They they live on on the surface. Mm. The great, great majority of crustaceans live in marine environments in the ocean, and that's everything from from shrimp to lobster to crab. Those Those are... your isopods are more closely related to a lobster than they are to an insect. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. isopods, woodlouse, whatever you want to call them, uh, uh, are a very, very old animal that existed on planet Earth and is yes. one of the initial indicating animals of a strictly aquatic animal that then ventured out into terrestrial Earth, which for me right. is what makes it so fascinating. Right. They have a very close relationship with water they need a, a kind of humid environment otherwise they'll die but clearly they yeah. they ventured yeah. out into this brave new frontier for them where they were like we co- our, our ancestors come from the ocean we're going to go out into the land and see what we can do there i just it's just fascinating evolo- yeah. evolution for that animal you know yeah and most of their ancestors stayed in the oceans right right i, I brought a couple little things today i don't know if uh if, I don't know if you can see these little guys. Oh, wait. So these hissing are what are called hissing cockroaches. Nice. Oh. Nice. Yeah. And they're a, uh, this is the one that everybody uses in, in any type of movie or something yeah. where, where they, there, they want an insect that they're going to do something with. People are going to eat, which I'd never eat one of these, right. or they want to cover some body with, with something to make it look disgusting. Uh, these are the roaches that they use for the most yeah. part real easy to take care of there, but they do make a hissing noise. Yeah. So nice. I, mean, I don't think we can, if you can hear that. We can definitely but, uh, hear and that it. Is yeah. just, and, and, and this one's just peeing all over my keyboard. Brilliant. Uh, oh God. But, yeah. Well, but, well, Rich, this is, but that, that, do that, this is so. a, this is a great teaching moment because so many people out there yes. are extremely <laughs> fearful of cockroaches and that is generally the american and german cockroach no. because obviously you know they they vermin and they, they live on your food and they can, In, they can invade the house breed like yep. crazy but the the madagascan yeah. hissing cockroach is clean yeah. very fastidious and doesn't pass on any germs at all right yep. it's not an animal to be scared of nope nothing at all nice yeah. nice 
But it will piss on your computer. It will piss on your computer. Yeah, but now there's pee all over my computer. <laughs> we'll get it. Let's see if we can get this. Oh, so a this is a wow. uh, an Aust- Aust- Australian walking stick. Wow. And so this is a what they call a, a prickly walking stick or a spiny walking stick. Comes from That's Australia. Cool. It's it's a large animal. Wow. Again, uh, you know, no, as you can see, no danger yeah. or anything from this in Australia. They would they feed mainly on kind of rosaceous, so rose and berry plants wow. and stuff. But you see how this would blend in almost perfectly yeah. uh, with an environment out there. Yeah. And so, so, so kind of a, this, this probably is probably my favorite insect. Wow. Well, that is an absolutely beautiful animal. So we're, we're, we're talking to you right now from your house, right, Rich? Can you just talk us through what else you have? What, what other invertebrates you keep in your house or animals in general? Yeah. Yeah. So let me grab one more here. Okay, great. I love it. That's so good. This is just you, Dom. I know, I know. We're going to have to have a specific guest for you next week because this is all me. Oh, tarantula, break it. Okay, so so this is a a Chaco golden need tarantula. And there are are hundreds of of different types of tarantulas throughout the world. This one comes from kind of the Argentina area. And uh, I've had her, it's, it's a her, I've had her for about eight years now. Right. She is very docile. Yeah, very docile. She, I mean, she has bitten, but, uh, but you know, you almost have to force her to bite. Right. The mm-hmm. interesting thing about tarantulas is most tarantulas are not very aggressive. Mm. And, they're, and the toxin that they put in when they do bite, with a few exceptions, is not very toxic. But the most dangerous thing about many tarantulas is you can see her body's covered with a lot of hairs. Mm-hmm. Those hairs can be hollow and they can contain a chemical which causes basically skin irritation. Mm. So the way a tarantula protects itself from a, a mouse or something that's about to eat it, most of the time it doesn't bite. It actually will, will figure out some ways to either shoot the hairs or embed those hairs, say, in the face of a, of a mouse or a, you know some type of small mammal that wants to eat it. Mm. And it causes, it causes swelling, it causes itching, et cetera, in that animal. Mm. But she's, a, uh, she's very friendly. Beautiful, she's, Rich. Yeah. Now, she's, she's, a, she's a beautiful little animal. Yeah, Just gorgeous. amazing in nature, all the different ways, be, you know, animals have for defense and, mm. and mm-hmm. everything. It's just incredible. It, what, what a great way to spend your life, I think, to do yeah, that. Yeah, amazing, Rich. Yeah. Can I ask, Rich, because I, I did this. I did, I did this nature show for a few years, and any time I got bitten, I would say to my crew and certainly the audience, I made a mistake there. I did something wrong. That's the reason why this animal stung or bit or scratched me. Can you recall what happened to, to make your tarantula bite? Yeah. Uh, so what happened was, I, I don't do this anymore, but I used to let visitors to us hold it. And, and so, uh, uh, you know, about a 14-year-old was holding it and then got really afraid mm. and, and went to drop it. Wow. And so I mm. reached as quickly as I could and grabbed it so it didn't fall to the ground, yeah. which probably would have killed it. Mm. And she just, 
you know, she was just trying to defend whatever she could mm. and she bit me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, see, it yeah. makes sense, right? You can always yeah. understand. I always think that whenever I've been in a situation where an animal has been forced to bite or sting me, if I go backwards, I can see the mistake yeah. that I've made, you know? So, well, that's fascinating. Yeah. Well, Rich, yeah. it's been amazing to have you on the show. Um, is there anything in particular that you want to tell us about your about your university, or, or or to raise any awareness about what you what you do in your in your job specifically? I mean, I I think that uh, I think the one thing I've tried to do throughout my career is to convince people that that nature is really beautiful. Those animals out there, they they're they're contributing, they're doing things, and you know, as, as either an avocation, like maybe you have Dom or as a profession to, to study animal, especially insects. It is, uh, it's been a very rewarding life. Mm. And so the one thing I've hoped I've been able to do is just, it, it, you, you, you mentioned this, you know, to get people when they're outside, they're sitting next to the pool or something, and they see a bunch of ants crawling up and down the wall. Well, something very, very interesting and specific is going on there. Those ants are almost blind. They're, they're following chemicals, smells, and stuff like that. And, you know, it's, it, it's so simple. You don't need necessarily elephants and tigers and bears to explain biology. You can, you can do it with these small little critters that are all over your backyards, your gardens, et cetera. Mm. So it's just, uh, it, it's a wonderful world. I was on, uh, we were on vacation when my son, my son who's now almost 16, but he must have been about five or six. And we went to this nice place in, um, in Portugal. And, you know, it had a swimming pool and places to hang out and swings and lots of places for kids to play. And he got obsessed with these ants on the back, just outside the back door. And for about three days, that's what he did. He sat out there and he, he watched these ants and, you know, he'd put a stick and see what they do and what happens yep. if you do this. And then a cleaner must have came and put something down. They got rid of the ants. And he was so upset, mm. like as upset as I'd ever seen him at that point, that all these little friends had left him, you know. So I think it is that. If, you, if we keep that kind of child's mentality of like, Wow! Look at this amazing stuff that's all around us. Mm. It's a great yeah. thing. A great thing that you're doing, Rich. Lovely. And can Dom come to your university? <laughs> can I? Can I come? Maybe and get... Dom can get that degree after yeah, all. We'll, we'll we'll figure something out. Come and get yeah. a degree from yeah. you. There you and, go. I mean, I echo what Billy said. It's fantastic to hear someone speaking from a point of of passion and interest. And we do need as many people on this planet that love and respect all animals, because like you said, I mean, they're, they're all, all doing incredible things for the planet of which we benefit, you know? So that's, that's amazing to hear your message, Rich. It really is. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Rich. It's great to talk to you, Rich. Thank you. It was a, a tremendous pleasure. Oh, cool, man. Tremendous pleasure for me to be able to spend a few minutes with you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Rich. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Well, Dom, that was a fantastic interview. I'm sure you'll agree. What a lovely gentleman. And it's just amazing to hear people talk from a point of passion. So if there's anyone out there who feels passionate about something that they're doing in their life, get in touch with us. We really want to hear from you. I'm passionate about something, Dom. I'm passionate about Billy and Dom eat the world. 
Billy and Dom eat the world. Oh, I brought my glasses this week. Oh, it's very important when you're eating the world to make sure that you can read all the uh, ingredients, etc. So today, Dom, we are going to be eating Werther's Originals. This was sent in by someone that um, I've forgotten who it is and I haven't written it down, but we'll put it on uh, somewhere. But Dom, have you got any memory for your... What, what's the first thing you think of when you look at a Werther's original? William, I think it's going to be... And I don't want to steal your thunder here, but you did ask me first. I think when I, when I try and you know, understand the first time that Werther's Originals came into my world. It's a kind of very, um, very gentle, very, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? There's, there's a, a diffused lens, everything about yeah. the, uh, Ooh, the Lovely, Dom, lovely. It, it, yeah, thank you. It's like it's see, the, the camera lens has like a pair of tights on the front of it, so everything looks a kind hey, of wait a, minute. A, a lovely... <laughs> No, not in it, not like that. But like a kind of magic hour, lovely sunset glow. And there's a grandfather with his little grandson or granddaughter, and they're having a lovely chat. And he says, come sit next to me and we'll have a lovely Werther's Original together. That's what I think of when I think of Werther's Original. How about you? Yeah, they, I, think, I think the ads were abs, they were huge, weren't they? But they, there was Werther's Original Long before the ads, Tom, let me just introduce you to the world of Werther's Originals. In 1903... Well, would you mind if I suck on one while you tell us? All right, well, I'll suck on one while we're doing it then because we need to, we need to suck at the same time. Yeah, okay. Ready? Okay, yeah. It's going in, down the hatch. Oh, Tom. Mm. Oh, goodness. You know what I mean? My God. Mm. Incredible. Go on. Anyway, it's like someone solidified happiness. Dom, in 1903, (laughs) August Stork opened his own confectionery factory in the small town of Werther, Germany. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Sean. By 1909, he was already shipping sweets to neighborhood towns. And his workforce had grown from three people to 12. One of them, Gustav Nebel. Whoa! Gustav Nebel invented a rich caramelly offering known as butter candy, which, in addition to butter, it contained cream, sugar, brown sugar, just a dash of salt. I'm going I'm to just pick up on a, on a thing that you said there. Do you ever pick up on a dash of salt? I can't. I never pick up on a dash of salt. I can't. Now that they've said that, I can, I can hold on. I'll tell you if I still salt. I think I can taste there's a bit of salt in it now. Dom. I mean, is it, is it a dash? Is it a dash? What's the number one ingredient mm. without looking? Mm. Oh, I'm sorry. I did look there. I'm sorry. But, I, you know, it's sugar, isn't it? Yeah. It, it doesn't say salt on it. I mean, but when I was... So sm- oh, no, it doesn't, no, it, it does, Dom. It does. Oh, hang on. After hang butter. On. Let me consult this. Oh, yeah, after uh, sugarcane syrup, there's salt in there. I remember as a kid thinking, but why? Why is Werther's Original so tasty? And ultimately, if you're going to combine 
different types of sugar with cream and butter, it can't not be tasty, can it? I mean, that's just well, a given. Something, it's something very... There's something. Something. I like on the bag it says, keep cool and dry. You think they mean the sweets or okay. just yourself? Does it? Where does it say keep cool and dry? On the front? No. Across from the nutritional facts. Mm. And then there's a thing that says Werther's yeah. Original. Caution, hard candies mm. may be inadvertently swallowed and can cause choking. Underneath that it says mm. keep cool and dry, which I think is a good um, oh, a good it. mantra for life. Yeah, it is a good mantra for life. I mean, does it is this is this the sweet? More than any other sweet that I've been exposed to in my life that makes you feel like you want to reminisce about things. Is there something about the Werther's original that makes you reminisce? Is it because of that ad or is it more than that? Let's, let's jump from 1909 to 1969, Dom. Oh, okay. That's when Stork unveiled a hard caramel called the Werther's Echte. From the German word oh, for German. real or genuine. Mm. True to its name, mm-hmm. Werther's Echte made, uh, was made with real cream and real butter, just like Nebel's old recipe. Oh. Werther's Echte was later rebranded as Werther's original for the international market. And when it first showed up in the US in around late 1970, it was always associated with old people. But why? Oh, why old people? I don't know. But can I just congratulate you on your German pronunciation there of the word echte? I like what you did there. It's fantastic. Well, danke schön, Dom. Mm. Danke schön. I think you'll find well, that was wunderbar. Bitte schön, mein Freund. Uh. Wunderbar, mein Freund. Would it, be, would it be fair to describe this as a butterscotch? I mean, is that fair? I think it's fair, but it's more than that, isn't it? There's something. Well, is it? Yeah. There's a. I always okay. find like a Werther's original. It's almost like your mouth activates something in it. Like there's yeah, little okay. insects in there that when it when a mouth gets on a Werther's original, it kind of goes melt the butter, let it run down mm. the tongue, and there's something very. Oh God. Very soothing about it, Dom. But I can see how you would choke mm. on it. Almost choked on that one. Oh, well, you could choke on it because it's a hard sweet, or as they say in the United States, a hard candy, you know. Um, but, I, I mean, it feels, it feels like you said, like butterscotch, but maybe a little bit more. I think that might be one of my favourite words in the English language, by the way, butterscotch. What? Isn't that just lovely? Isn't that just roll off the tongue? Butterscotch. It's lovely, butterscotch. Dom. Butterscotch. Butterscotch. I also like the word billowing. Do you have a favourite word in the English language? Billowing. Do you think you could ever use butterscotch or, and billowing in the same sentence? Oh, God. Well, billowing tends to be associated with clouds, doesn't it? And it's tough to get a butterscotch in there. But what about you? Is, is there any particular word in the English language where you think, oh, that's, that's a real favourite of mine? Chardonnay. Oh, yeah. I know you love Chardonnay, you. Big fan. Yeah. I like... Um, also, I think this... Rolls off the tongue very well. Gastrointestinal reflex. Isn't that lovely? No, it's Just not say that lovely. along with me. You ready? Yeah. Oh, come on, try it with me. I'll do it. I'll give it to you one more time. Gastrointestinal reflex. Gastrointestinal reflex. 
Now, Billy, if you and I were sharing a room together and I was struggling to sleep, and I said to you, will you do me a favor? Will you just say gastrointestinal reflex 40 or 50 times? I think I'd be lulled to sleep. You just pop a word that's originally in my mouth while I'm breathing in the right direction. I got gastroenteritis once. What, what is that? It's just like a sore digestive system. With really bad diarrhea, Dom. Oh, no. And everybody in the house got it. We only had one toilet. We'd all get mussels down at a place oh, yeah. called the Barras in Glasgow. And mm. we got and my sister, Margaret, she had terrible diarrhea. Explosive. Oh, I'm sorry, Margaret. Oh, gosh, gosh, golly, golly. And I think you've told me this story before, right? You said that all, all, all uh, uh, avenues of opportunity were used in the bathroom to exit fluids, right? Sinks, oh. baths, toilets, windows. I'm not sure Tom, if a window was, was like, involved. It was like the Somme. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> what a terrible, terrible story. I'm sorry about that. Um, Hey, I was going to talk a little bit about the advert here. I'm going to, I'm going oh, to continue yeah, on with, with some of our blurb that we got here. When Stork, the company that makes the Werther's original, began mm-hmm. advertising on American and British television several years later, it continued angling the gold-wrapped goodies as old-fashioned sweets. Yeah. But this time, it had a spokesman to help sell the concept, a grandfather. Debuting in 1989, the commercial featured an archetypal cardigan-sporting grandfather who from a high-backed leather chair, reminisces Ooh. about eating his first sweet and creamy and just plain good Werther's original. He was four years old, and his grandfather gave it to him. So it's almost like a passing of the torch, isn't it? It's That's like, right. when I was your age, my, my granddad gave me a sweetie. I'm going to do the same for you. And that is a lovely thing. Now, did your dad ever have, um, not your, well, maybe your granddad, but your dad or your granddad always have a, a certain sweet in their pocket. You know, like, you, like see, my dad, if he ever had any sweets in his pocket, it was always just gum, chewing gum, little pack of that PK, Boy. I think it was called, PK chewing gum. Oh, PK, yeah, I like that. L- little aniseedy gum. Yeah, and that's the only sweet he ever mm-hmm. had. Both my grandfathers were dead, so there was no weathers coming that way, Dom. You've brought the mood down, if you don't mind me saying. <laughs> Let me try and bring it up. <laughs> My granddad didn't used to carry around uh, Swiss sweeties that much, but he always had 10p, the old big, remember the old big 10 pence piece? I remember as a kid it being massive, it like fit in the palm of my hand. And he always had 10p for his grandchildren. So we'd come in to say hello to my grandma and granddad, and then he'd line us all up. And there'd be four or five grandkids, and he'd give us all 10p. And at that point, as I'm sure you know, uh, 10p went a long way. You could you could buy a nice handful of sweets with 10p. You get nothing mm-hmm. with 10p nowadays, Bill. Ooh, that's inflation for you. Oh, you'll get. Um, and then <laughs> <laughs> And then my dad. My dad's a licorice fan, but um, to give my dad his credit, recently he's been kind of moving more and more towards becoming diabetic and his doctor said listen you got to cut it out with the sweets so my dad has just completely cut out sugar there's no sugary sweets he doesn't make cakes anymore he doesn't have sugar you know in any of his diet and um i commend that i commend it well done austin well done well it's going to be kind of hard for me and austin um, to share a, a ton of um, condensed milk now then 
I think he'll make an exception for you. I did have a licorice also when I was at my mum and dad's recently. And um, I, said to, I said to my dad, I'm really craving something sweet. Oh, that's all right. And my dad was like, yeah, it's fine. And, and he said, you know what? I can have one. I can have one here and there. And he just had one. He just had the one. And I was impressed by that. Because normally once you, once you have one licorice also, you know, you've cracked the seal. But yeah, my dad just had one. What one did he have? Um, he had the sandwich. You know, the little sandwich. I'm not sure if it was the triple sandwich or the double sandwich, but it was definitely a sandwich, I think. Yeah, it was a sandwich. If you could only pick one, what would you have? I like the triple black and white licorice sandwich. What about you? I would have the sandwich with the brown. Oh, you like the brown? Yeah, you'd have to fight my mum for that. She always picks those one out. Are they kind of a chocolatey I, I mocha would, I, If it came here, I would fight your mum. I reckon I could take your mum. She's quite small. Yeah, you probably could. She's not. She's a lover, not a fighter. Um, <laughs> I've had my second word as original. Well, should we give it? Should we give it some scores? I'm not sure what else. What else there is to say about well, there's where there's plenty. Well, there's a I think here, we'll actually. go into it quite deeply. It's a German sweet associated with granddad's. Let's give it some scores. Okay. Flavour and or taste. Um, Dom, it's, I, think it's a fan, tie, I think tie. it's a fantastic taste. I'm going to give mm-hmm. it a 9.3. Oh, that's high. That's high for you because I yeah, think you have I much know. higher standards than me in terms of the score. I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a solid nine. I like it. It's a nine. How does it look mm. to you, Dom? Well, I mean, what what is not to like? It's in a lovely gold wrapper, like like the setting sun. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sweetie itself. I wonder what that indentation is about, right in the middle there. Is it trying to look like a belly button or like a doorbell? Is that well, the I- idea? I like it because I put my tongue on well, there. Well, I like it. Like of if I had you do. To, if I had to choose which way I'd like to suck a Werther's original, I would have it with the indentation Please. facing downwards. Mm-hmm. I think I would too. It allows your tongue to grip it, get some purchase. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm going to give that a nine point two, Tom. I think that's brilliant. Nine point two. So I was going to say, I was just going to say that I'm astounded by how quickly I'm getting through a Werther's original. When I was a kid, I re- seem to remember it taking like twenty five minutes to get through a Werther's original. But now, three or four minutes, it's done. I'm onto the crunching uh, part of the uh, well, experience. Your mother so did tell me once that when you were younger, you had very little saliva in your mouth, so therefore couldn't break mm-hmm. down food. And uh, normally you could only mm-hmm. eat creamed rice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was an awful affliction. I've got through mm-hmm. that now. Um, but terrible, terrible times um, for the young for the young Don Monaghan. Um, I'm going to give it, in terms of the look, I mean, it's fantastic. What's not to love? I'm going to give it another nine. I can't find, I I really can't find too many faults in it. Usefulness. Two big jugs. I beg your pardon. Oh, okay. See that? Yeah, do now, now. Now you put it into context, I see exactly what you mean. Um, Now, how useful is it? Can you bring, I would say, if you're feeling, you know, sometimes, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, you know, if you're on a long car journey and you're like, I just feel a bit crappy and I need maybe just something, just something to keep my digestive system going. I think it's quite useful for car journeys to make you feel better about life, you know? But could you, here's what I'm thinking. 
with a, a yeah. pestle and mortar, maybe bought in the streets of mm. Bangkok. Could you take three or four oh, yeah. Weathers Originals and beat it into virtually mm. a powder, a crystalline powder, and scatter that, yeah, for instance, on the top of, say, like a, a Danish dream cake? Mm. I think you absolutely could. Um, I mean, it, but using that same technique, could you then, you know, mix it into an ice cream or on top of a cake? Ice cream, Dom. You've nailed it. Mm-hmm. That could be the mm-hmm. greatest mm-hmm. thing. A vanilla ice cream, not too sweet. Yeah, not too sweet. Creamy, buttery ice cream, and maybe you put a, a, a little bit of sea salt on top as well. For that alone, I'm going to give it a, a 9.5. Mm. For usefulness, because I think that's going to make us rich making that ice cream. Yeah. My goodness, this is one of the highest scoring things ever. And I wonder if it's because you and I are slowly creeping towards being grandfathers. I wonder if that's <laughs> what it is. Do you know what I mean? Um, it could you know what? Just to, it could be, just to keep it succinct and yeah. uh, kind of cool looking, I'm going to give it another nine. So it's nine, nine, nine for me. Don't call the emergency services. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, what a treat. That was Werther's Original. Fantastic. If you've never had a Werther's Original, get one in your gob. They're fantastic. Get one. Yeah, go find one. They're found all over Europe and uh, the United States, and I'm sure in a bunch of other countries as well. But it goes without saying that if there's something in your life that you enjoy eating, maybe you don't, you don't know if Billy and I have, have experienced it ourselves, maybe something you've grown up with, maybe something that your parents uh, gave you when you were a kid, a curiosity in the culinary world, send us your suggestions. We would love to have it on Billy and Dom Eat the World. I'm going to eat the rest of them. All right, cool. Lovely. Yeah. Well... I think we might have run out of time, Bills, because we, we, you know, Rich was such an amazing guest. So we might yeah. have to say, see you anon. I'm going to see you in Calgary this weekend, which will be super exciting. Very excited to see you there, Dom. I will. Um, the Same. time difference means that I'm absolutely starving now. I just had about 14 Weathers Originals. So I'm going to nip out, grab something yeah. to eat, and get to bed. And I'll see you in a couple of days. And we'll be back in the studio next week, I hope. Sounds good, Billy. And, of course, if you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email at thefriendshipbunion at castmedia.com. That's cast with a K. Or you could leave us a voice note at speakpipe forward slash thefriendshipbunion. Leave all your comments on our YouTube channel. And then what's the other thing? Oh, subscribe, subscribe. Get your friends to subscribe. Everybody subscribe and rate. And uh, if you want to be one of the coolest people in all of Christendom, then I would say buy some Mm. T-shirts or a hoodie or something that's got the friendship onion on it and let people know that you listen. Yeah, and Billy and I are doing quite a few conventions over the next few months here all over the United States and Canada. And if we see you in Friendship Onion merchandise, we would be more than happy to take pictures with you and say, yay, you listen to the Friendship Onion. So get it out there, represent. I love it. Cool, guys. Bills, I'll see you at the weekend. And friends, we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. Toodles. Harmonize with
with me and hold me tight all through the night. You're shining bright. I'm your oyster, baby. You're my pearl. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.